Welcome back to the Behind the Well Show. I'm your host, Roger Abel, here with Elias Randall. How you doing today, Elias? Good. I'm doing great. Thanks for welcoming, welcoming me uh, back to the show. I appreciate it. You're on thin ice. I'm not going to tell people why, but you're on thin ice to come back next on week. On thin ice. You're on thin ice. No, that's okay. I'm used to it. Or maybe, maybe we're just... Your goal of eventually doing the intro to the show is diminishing. I remember your 2021 goals at some point do the intro, so... Yeah, well, you know that's part of life. You don't you don't accomplish everything you set out to, and <laughs> it's not really what happens; it's how you react. So you're on better track than most people because if I remember back to that show, most goals are dropped within the first like ten days. Like ninety percent of people give up on that working out goal. Yeah, within ten days because I think that's the number one goal is I'm going to lose weight or get in shape, and ten days later, it's over. Yeah, I'm I'm in shape. I'm a circle, so I'm accomplishing that. <laughs> Uh, we talked a couple weeks ago about financial weathermen and they're back and I want to play this clip because I just found this in conjunction, but our favorite weatherman of all, Harry Dent, he is, is back. He's my favorite financial forecaster. And he hasn't been right all that much. Just a couple times throughout his entire, entire, um, life, but I'm going to play a video because I think it's really sums it up. What, uh, what he's trying to do here have a ferocious crash because we're going to go to lower you know back to 2009 uh lows or lower and and to do that in that fast a period of time would be probably the sharpest crash we've seen potentially in history so this is a time to get serious okay and and we're just going to look at this and and if if the markets keep creeping up and that's what they're doing and that's what i've been expecting and in most indices one after another are making new highs and a lot of indices may have already peaked, you know, and, you know, the Russell 2000 and, and Bitcoin almost for sure looks like it's peaked now. I look at Ripple, looks like it might have more to go. It's a whole different animal now being the probably ultimate coin, whereas Bitcoin is the ultimate standard. So they're two different things. All right. So Harry Dent, who we've talked about in the past, um, recently also said that there's a stock market crash likely within three months. And his famous quote from this is one extra snowflake to start an avalanche and boom. And he's predicting the largest market crash of our time. And, you know, these guys just are not good for anybody out there. But one thing I took away from the video, Elias, but right in the back, the backdrop of the video was the book Zero Hour. Yeah, that's his most recent book, right? Right. Yeah. So I think. You trying to say he's promoting his book? I would think he's promoting his book, and it sounds like he's promoting Ripple too, because he threw a little, he threw a little um, cryptocurrency reference in there mm-hmm. regarding Bitcoin, and he's just making all of these outlandish predictions. Yeah, and he doesn't. At the end of the day, he doesn't know. Could the like could the market go down in the next three months? Absolutely, it could. Does Harry Dent know that it's going to? No. He doesn't know that, Uh, but he did say one thing in there that I agree with. I agree with what he said. It's time to get serious. He meant like it's time to get serious as far as listening to him. Um, I do agree if if you're listening to our show, it probably is time to get serious about some sort of financial planning, especially if you're someone who reads or listens to market predictions. That's like market predictions. To me, that's all the more reason that you should be working with a professional and have a plan. Um, you know, cause then you're taking it seriously and you'll feel confident and prepared if something like that happens. What the financial plan will do for somebody is instill confidence 
as to why to be in the market, right? Correct. And it's going to instill confidence because you're helping or we are helping somebody identify the optimal portfolio that they should be in for their unique set of circumstances. Our goal is to move people from the biased to the unbiased world and the probabilistic world that's provided by a financial plan. Because if we go back and we take a look at what makes people inherently just poor investors, it's the emotions that run our life. So if you're listening to financial predictions, you sh more than likely are highly emotional about all this stuff. Yeah, probably. Well, another thing, so I read something recently and it was a survey about it was a survey done from wealth management clients, so clients of financial advisors. And one of the number one things people want is unbiased advice. So they want just, I guess they want to be told what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. And they just want unbiased advice and probably also from the aspect of maybe how their advisor is being compensated for that. Um, but predictions like in Harry Dent giving market predictions, that's not unbiased investment advice at all. He's, he's totally biased because he wants to sell a book. He wants to sell subscriptions and his books and his subscriptions are always about what do investors do when, you know, when this happens. Um, so yeah, go, he's a, tries to be a market timer and that's something that uh, we don't believe in. And then obviously on our show, we poke him in the eye quite a bit because he's constantly making predictions and we're constantly saying, do not listen to him. Well, why do we poke him in the eye? It's not that he hasn't been correct in the past, right? Yeah, he's been right. He predicted um, the 1989 bubble in Japan um, and recession. He had some level of prediction in the dot-com crash that he claims I don't know as if we can we can actually like find the information to back that up. And he also claims that um, he predicted the populist support that catapulted Donald Trump into the White House. Well, I don't know if that's really a financial prediction. So if I really look at this, there's only two times since 1989 they think he's been right. And I can tell you over the course of the last year, he's making predictions every few days about what's going to happen. And it goes back to the whole idea that if I predict something long enough, we will be correct. And what I mean by that is there's never been a stock market that's just went directly up forever. Well, actually, it has gone higher since the beginning of time. But there's intermediate terms in there where, hey, the market's up, it's down, it's up, it's down, right? I mean, there's gravity involved in the stock market. When it goes up, it has to come down at some point, and it'll go back up in the future, we just understand what those cycles are. And I think back to one of his predictions he made like three months ago, he said it was gonna crash by, I think the end of April, worst crash of our lifetime, well, that's come and gone. So now he's pushed this prediction back a couple more months. But what I remember about that were two things. One, he told us everything would recover by 2023. So if that's the case, and the person predicting the collapse also predicts that it's going to be fully recovered by 2023. From a long-term investor's point of view, this doesn't matter. It's completely irrelevant. Just don't open your statements. It goes back to the point of, we've we've said this for a long time, the, the advent of the ability to check your investment accounts on a minute-by-minute -minute basis has been more harmful for investors than good because they get emotionally attached to that account balance in their portfolio. And most of this is just purely noise 
trying to drive somebody else's agenda. And let's be clear. We have an agenda too. be clear yeah. about it. our agenda is to help people establish a well-written financial plan so we can optimize our portfolio and give them unbiased, probabilistic advice. It's that simple. Yeah. And we're also, I would say, trying to educate on how to be a successful investor because really, and we've talked about before, listening to predictions and trying to time the market, it's it's almost as simple as successful investors just don't do stuff like that. They don't act that way. They don't act like that. So what about other, other predictions are we going to talk about today? Well, I mean... I'm torn about this one because I found this one and we discussed it briefly. And I'll be honest, I kind of listen to this gentleman when he makes a prediction due in fact to his track record and not necessarily track record with predicting because he's really only made one famous prediction, but track record from an investment standpoint. And that's Michael Burry. And Michael Burry, for people don't, who don't know who Michael Burry is, he rose to fame in the movie The Big Short. He was the primary character um, who predicted the housing crisis and benefited the most. And if you haven't seen the movie, go watch it, because I think The Big Short is maybe one of the best films made for non-financial people to understand what really happened. Right. It's not super complicated from a money standpoint, but it's actually does a good job portraying how we got to the point of the financial crisis and how credit was overextended, which caused prices of homes to go up. And I know people are talking about that today. Right. We've seen a astronomical rise in home prices in this country in a short period of time. So the, the question becomes, are those prices real? And someone's going to make a prediction. It's not going to be me or. Is it some kind of a bubble? Well, I think we should go back to 09 and what caused that bubble. That was the overextension of credit. I don't know if that's happening today. But I think what's important is Michael Burry, up until 2000, from 2001 to 2009, or excuse me, November 2000 to June of 08, his fund made 489%. Yeah, and at the same time, the S&P 500 returned 3% right. in the same period. So. What he what he accomplished in that time when he did for his clients, I mean that's that's remarkable. That's huge. That's huge. And most of it was because of he benefited yeah, from he, the financial crisis when most others suffered. Right, and he figured out very early how many bad loans were out there on mortgages that people eventually just wouldn't be able to afford. Back in the movie, I remember he went to Goldman Sachs and all the large banks and created products. Yeah. So he could trade this and they were all laughing at him. I remember there's a point he's like, I want to do this. And there there's a he leaves the room and there's high five with these executives that just <laughs> yeah. sold him this thing. And they're like dancing because they're getting paid and they think they made the greatest trade and it all melted down on them. I think at some point there's a fear he'd actually be able to collect on his trades, if I remember correctly from the movie. But that said, I've typically listened to Michael Burry and not never follows advice, but I listen to what he's talking about. Like I know in the end of that movie, he went and all of his investments were in water, right? So I went out and bought the most boring book on the planet because I wanted to learn about water. And I read it in my tree stand. And it was funny in this book, they mentioned Las Vegas. Well, guess what's happening out there right now? Uh, There's a water, water shortage, shortage, right? Yeah. Because Lake Mead's at its lowest level ever. And they're going to have to restrict water to farmers, which is going to have a trickle down effect to the economy. But Las Vegas is kind of seen as 
the it was seen as the um, wastefulness of water. We all see that the the the, the, fountains the fountains and, and yeah. watering your grass in the desert, perfectly manicured grass, and they they actually actually have a very strict water like patrol program that people going around patrolling to make sure your sprinklers are working right. And if they're not, there's a problem. You get a fine. Uh, so you'll get fine. Like if there's a leak or something, you haven't fixed it. Yeah. You can get fined for that. Yeah. It's yeah. absolutely really crazy. And they've also become really, um, how do I want to call it efficient? Like all the hotels have to have a certain shower head nozzle in there to restrict water. So they've done a good job of protecting this resource, but he kind of talked about that in the book. Well, Michael Burry disappeared for eight years and hadn't made a prediction until basically 2017. And I was on, I, I caught this because it came through one of our publications. I don't know if it was Think Advisor or, you know, Wealth I think, Management. Yeah. I don't know what it was, but a Reddit user actually went back and fact checked Michael Burry. And this is why it's important for people to understand where they're consuming their financial information. And what this Reddit user did is he obtained news articles over 15 years and flagged the date of each crash prediction and analyzed the performance of the market over that period of time for Michael Burry. And he analyzed the one month, one quarter, and and two date. Didn't include the subprime market crash. Um, and all the returns are based on kind of the predictions that he made. So the first prediction that that he could find was May 3rd, 2017. And this one is, a that's a prediction right there. He yeah. expected, he, he said he expects a global financial meltdown and World War III. So that's technically two predictions. Two predictions. Yeah. That's what he expected. The one month return was positive 2%. The one quarter return was up four. The return year to date is 93%. So had you listened to Michael Burry and thought, oh my gosh, we're going to have World War III. We expect a financial meltdown. To a guy that I respect, you'd have missed out on a 93% return. And this is as of May. So it's actually higher than that. So it's probably yeah. close to 100% return you missed out on. And this is what I want people listening to this show to understand and why this is important to have a financial plan so you're in the probabilistic world. If you followed his advice, let's say for a year and nothing happened and you got back in, you still missed out. And it highlights the problem with predictions. And it's that you have to be right twice. You have to be right when you sell and you have to be right when you buy back in. Mm-hmm. No part of any financial plan that we do, Elias, ever says, what's your market timing strategy? How are you going to get in and out of the market? The plan just tests for the probability based upon a Monte Carlo scenario and the information you've given it. So it's testing the parameters. It is the ultimate stress test for somebody's financial future. Yeah. And isn't it, I was actually thinking about this driving to work today. Wouldn't it be fair to say if we, if we believed you could time the market and if it was really possible, wouldn't it, every financial advisor out there and wouldn't every investment professional out there just do it? If it was actually, if, if we actually thought we could do it, wouldn't we just do that for clients? Because it's, if we, if it was something we could accomplish, but there's never been, I guess I've never read anything. I've never seen anything that really was compelling and made me feel like market timing is possible. 
Um, so to me, it's just always something where I know we don't, I don't believe it can be done. I know you don't believe it can be done. Um, but what well, are some I don't of, believe it's never been proven to be able to be done. I guess that's what I'm getting at. Like I've never seen any proof that can actually consist. It can be done once in a while. Like we've talked might about get lucky. I mean, exactly. Lucky. Get lucky, but yeah. like consistently hey, had, done over a long period of time. It, it just doesn't happen. We have clients who bought, we had a client who bought AMC at the beginning of the year. It's up 2,500%. Yeah, yeah, she they just, got lucky. That you was know, a mini lotto ticket. And guess what she did? She cashed in her lottery ticket. Yeah. She cashed it in. We've talked about this before. How do you win at the casino? <laughs> you you leave when you're up? You go, you win quick, and you get out. We I had this yeah. scenario. I don't know if I told this story in the show with my wife. I was in New Orleans, and she said, hey, how about we just go over to the casino and do a little gambling? And I don't pull the slot machines. That's not really my deal. But mm-hmm. I went. 60 bucks. I don't gamble. So, you know, I'm fast. I play a little faster than my wife. She sits there and enjoys, and I'm just hitting the button. But I told her, I said, just always do, like, the max credits because that's the best odds of winning. So why wouldn't we max credit this thing? So we start on a quarter machine. And, you know, my 20 bucks is gone in, like, I don't know, two and a half minutes. <laughs> Quick. So I find a different machine on the other side of her. And I'm not really paying attention. I figured, you know, these are quarter machines lined up by each other. So I just go to the other side, and I put my money, and I hit max bet. It was like. One spin was, I put 20 bucks in. One spin was like five and a half bucks. I'm like, look down, I'm like, oh, it's a 50 cent machine with 10 lines. So, yeah. you know, it's going fast. I'm down to like my last spin and I click it and I want 160 bucks. And my wife's out there of money go. now. She goes, keep it rolling. So I go to my wife. I said, you want to know how to win at the casino? She goes, how? I said, well, I'll show you. She goes, well, don't we want to play the machine down to the $60 we put in? I'm like, no. I'm going to show you how to win. <laughs> that's how you she that's was, how you give the winnings back. Yeah, she goes, well, that's how we win. I go, no, I'm going to show you how to win. I went over, I, I punched the button, I took my ticket, 160 bucks. Yeah. We walked out the door, and I won. But if I would have stayed there and drawn it back to what I put in, I would have lost the lost the money I put in. Plus, probably would have lost a few more bucks. I probably would have taken it all the way to zero. So I would have been back to the original starting point. Right. You would have um, lost your original 20 or whatever, 60 bucks, whatever you started with. Exactly. So, you know, these guys just do more harm than good to the average everyday investor. Um, Michael Burry also made a prediction on the 4th of September, 2019. Index fund is going to be the next market bubble. What's an index fund? That's S&P 500 index, NASDAQ. It's one of the most popular ways for people to invest, right? Passive investors buy index funds. Yeah, it's become more and more popular too. And his whole idea is everybody's buying an index fund. Well, it's going to be a bubble. It hasn't been. Actually, the velocity of investments into index funds has increased, while the velocity of outflows from actively managed mutual funds has decreased or has increased at the same time. So... um, after that prediction, the mark was up 1% the next month, 6% after the first quarter, and 50% after that. So since 19, it was up 50% on in index funds. So if you exit index funds, because, boy, we have to follow Michael's advice, we lost money. And I know I was looking away for a minute, but I I've, this actually just came through on my screen. And you're going to get a kick out of this. Okay. It popped up in my little corner. That's what took my attention. Big short investor Michael Burry deleted his Twitter profile again days after warning of a massive market and epic massive bubble and epic market crash. 
Yeah, so he deleted. He's been like on Twitter and then off and then back on, but he's off right now. Yeah, he, he's he, off Twitter. I just, yeah. I just got it. This came through on whatever, but I was listening to the compound too, and some pretty famous professor, I think, called him out and just said, "Quit doing this. This is absolutely yeah. ridiculous. These are terrible predictions for people to listen to, and people are listening." Well, of course they're listening because when you can, and it's another reason why. Just because someone's right doesn't mean that now it's time to, you know, anoint them this great market predictor. He's got a lot of clout and a lot of respect from people because, and he, I don't, I mean, he probably necessarily wasn't lucky when he predicted the, um, the downfall of the housing crisis. You know, he, he just, he figured out that there was too many bad loans. So he probably wasn't necessarily lucky on that, but it doesn't mean that you should just, Okay, now now I'm gonna I'm going to listen to what he says because he was right one time, and we have proof here he's been wrong several other times. Here's why people shouldn't listen. No part of the financial plan. If you did a financial plan in 2000, 2001, or 2006, a good one, it didn't say, "Hey, if the yeah. market crashes, we have to do something different. We have to get out." It just rolled the punches, and what? The market's up four or five hundred percent since '09. So if you just did nothing, you made all your money back. It goes back to the little skit we did of the world's worst investor. When they literally buy the high point in the market every time, they still make money if if they execute good investment behavior, which is not selling or panicking at the wrong time. That doesn't mean, you know, you can't make changes to your portfolio. It just means don't try to time whether to be in or out of the market. Yeah. And so one thing with Burry... For me, so to me, it's like obvious what Harry Dent is trying to do. He's trying to sell books and subscriptions, but I don't know what Michael Burry's like underlying because that I know of, I don't think he sells books and subscriptions like Harry Dent. I just wonder why he's compelled to kind of go on his Twitter, his Twitter storms and and make uh, these uh, outrageous predictions. Well, he owns Scion Capital, which is a, or Scion Asset Management. It's a hedge fund. So I don't know if he's trying to raise funds into the hedge fund. I, I don't know. Um, and maybe he just wants to make a prediction. Sure, it could be. I don't know. Um, but he had a couple more. And, and all of these really have come since in the last 18 months. December 5th, he said, short Teslas, the price is ridiculous. Well, the next month, Tesla went up 22%. So if you shorted Tesla, I'm almost positive you got blown out and you lost money on that trade. And since then, it's down 13%. Yeah. So well, that was, a, wasn't was a good call. Well, over the last several years, a lot of people and investment professionals have had that sentiment about Tesla's price, stock price, and, every, and been short Tesla. And then they've been on the wrong side of the trade. And just because someone... And even a group of people think something should happen and they can give you all this compe- all these compelling reasons why it should happen. It, it just it doesn't mean it's going to happen that way. Here's the problem. What's the problem? I have the perfect video explaining this problem, but people are only thinking about where the puck is at and not where it's going. Where the puck is at, not where it's going. Right. And watch this video. It's a TikTok video I found over the weekend because now I watch TikTok videos. I don't know why, but this is actually <laughs> only financial ones. Nah. But this is a really good video of this is why that prediction's dangerous. You're ad- addicted to another uh, social media app, TikTok. 60 seconds at a time. 60 seconds at a time. Well, <laughs> that's why I like it. I get 60 seconds. But check this video out. 
And Wall Street isn't concerned that Amazon has never made a profit, not a dime. In fact, it lost $125 million last year. The company says it's investing for the future. Skeptics say it would have to sell every book being sold in the world today to justify its stock price. I think my generation grew up with Sears. And Amazon is worth 20% more than Sears is worth in market capitalization. How do you view that phenomenon that Amazon today is worth more than Sears? Investors are focused on the future. Amazon has growth potential that Sears doesn't. A couple of geeks who sketched out some software could destroy Sears Roebuck. That's the beauty of technology and the microprocessor. We've never seen anything like it. That's the problem with people saying Tesla shouldn't be here. They're not pricing it for today's valuation. That was about Amazon. That was a 1999 video, which the key word in there is you'd have to sell every book in America. They didn't realize the goal wasn't to just sell books. It was to sell everything to everybody in America. Look at where Amazon is today. Amazon now is part of every single person's daily life, I would guess. I mean, because of the pandemic and what happened, Amazon be, almost became like a critical infrastructure part of our country. How am I going to get my toilet paper? How am I going to get my stuff? I don't want to go to the grocery store. I'm scared to leave the house. How do I get masks? Like Amazon, that yeah. was the solution for most people. Um, and the problem with that prediction is those people that were skeptics were saying, hey, look, we have to sell every book. Well, yeah, right now, is Tesla super profitable? No. Do I think they make a great car? Not really. But you know what they have on their side? Technology. Yeah. They have battery technology. They have trying to build infrastructure for everything. Everything. So that's where those predictions become dangerous. Neither person knows. But here's what I know. Amazon from 1999 became one of the greatest companies in the world. And Sears is out of business. Right. Well, and back in 99, that's like the skeptics in that video, it was just an online bookstore. But the believers, they must have known that they're investing in these other technologies because really what has made them so big is the cloud storage and they're selling everything. And even uh, like even just at my house, like we have um, Amazon Music connected to the Alexa so we can just... They're part of your life. Yeah, just yell at the thing. Hey, I want to hear this song, and it plays it. Sears was So never, much more convenient than having a CD player or a, Sears was even never, an iPad. Sears was never part of your life. Sears was the, mag, was the magazine you got in September and picked out your Christmas presents in. That's all it was. Yeah, see, I was still young probably for even that. <laughs> I remember I never getting the magazine. Christmas and, and you had the magazine, you flip through the pages, and you creased the corner of the page so you knew, hey, this is the page, and then you circled what you wanted. Like, that's the way it was done if you're older than, like, 35. <laughs> Not that I'm much only older. 32, so I missed out. So um, with that said, uh, he's made a couple more. He said the market's dancing on knife's edge in February, um, and he's being ignored. Market's up 11% since then. And then in June 6, 2021, he said this is the greatest speculative bubble of all time. I don't know. Could be. I don't know. I'm not predicting. Yeah, and I don't even know. I mean, that. how do you even measure that, the greatest speculative bubble of all time? I mean, there's been so many speculative bubbles throughout history like what why is this one the greatest and what is like what are the differences from before and now to me it just seems like sometimes there's times of high speculation on certain asset classes or whatever but 
I don't know, like right now, that's the greatest one you've ever seen or heard Here's of? Here's what I'd say is it's not relevant. If you have a game plan for when this happens, great example. I've said for a long time, it's not whether somebody has your social security number and all your personal information. All of our personal information is out there in the world, right? Experian oh, yeah. gave away all of our information a couple of years ago. Everybody has it. So it's not whether your identity is getting stolen. It's how you're going to handle it when it happens. Yeah. And this is just like the market. It's not whether or not the market's going down. It's going down at some point. I just don't know. I just don't know when. So then it becomes a question of how do I actually handle the problem when it arises? And there's people are really in two places in their financial life. They're either in the accumulation or the decumulation phase, right? We're either adding assets or we're spending down assets. I guess you could be holding steady, but at some point you're probably going to start living on those assets. If you're in the accumulation phase, say 10 years from retirement, the market going down shouldn't really be much of an event because you still have time for it to come back and you're going to start buying units at a lower price. Right, you're buying shares right. at a lower price. Yeah, market it, going down for accumulators is not really a bad thing at all. If you're all. 40 years old, this should have you shouldn't even be paying attention. Hey, great, the market went down 40. Let's buy, because yeah. if we look at the market over the history of time, it's continually gone up. If you're in the decumulation phase or the phase of your life where you're living on these assets, you better have a plan for when this happens, because if your plan is to do it just like you did your 401k, which was put a little bit of money in over a long period of time. And that worked out, right? Because that will work out during accumulation. If your decumulation plan is the same, take a little bit of money out over a long period of time, that may not work. Because if you don't have a spending strategy in place, you may be forced to sell an investment when it's down in value, which then locks in your loss and you never have a chance to make it back. So it's inherently important if you're in the phase of your life where you're taking money, you better have a plan for this. And that's how we deal with this problem versus trying to figure out, should we be in or should we be out? That's not the option. The option is be fully invested all the time, but have the right portfolio created through a well-written financial plan so you're into the non-biased, probabilistic world. And I thought about this, this is like a week ago. When was the last time you ever heard Warren Buffett say, we're on a bubble, get out? Have you ever heard Warren Buffett say that? No, he he doesn't. He knows how irresponsible. I feel like he kind of has like this air of he knows that would be irresponsible to do. So he doesn't do stuff like that. And has never been, market timing has never been part of his investment philosophy or what he claims to be as an investor for his clients. He's great at drowning out the noise. He doesn't listen to it. He just looks at the facts and the numbers. So with that said, if there's somebody out there who's looking for a plan or needs a plan, you can get us at btwellshow.com. We're happy to sit down with you, do a phone call, Zoom, whatever you're comfortable doing, and help you get a well-written financial plan or even some type of a spending strategy. If you're nearing retirement and you need help with that, you should have a plan for how you're going to take this money out. It shouldn't be just, oh, let's take a little bit out over a long period of time. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Everyone should have a plan. That said, we want to thank everybody for listening until next time. You can get us at btwellshow.com. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPIT. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. 
To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. All performance referenced is historical and is not a guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Premier Investments of Iowa Incorporated and LPL Financial do not provide tax advice. Please consult your tax professional.